Happy New Year! The only time you'll hear that on this podcast. You can say it once, one time only, Jim. Uh, I think after, I don't know, maybe about a Wednesday, you're not allowed to, to say it anymore. That should be a federal law. But anyways, Happy New Year. How, you, how, how the hell are you doing, man? I'm Happy New Year, and that can be the last time. We're good. Um, yeah, man, I'm ready. Ready, ready for playoffs, ready for the college football games last night, the Final Four got me in the mood a little bit because these bowl games have been unwatchable unless of course you invest in gambling. That is why gambling needs to exist. How else will you watch a bowl game other than the final four last night? The final four was real football, good football coaches, players staying in school. It was easy to watch fun to bet on. Those were fun games. So yes, I'm ready for good football. I I would expect, Expect the tournament to expand. I mean, that's the only reason, right? All of these sponsors, they can't like the fact that there's second and third stringers all over the field because the best guys don't want to risk injury with the NFL draft around the corner. That's Um, could could money drive this and expand the tournament? Not that I don't want it expanded. I kind of like the old BCS, just fast forward to two teams. But to say like the bold picture, I, I would expect it to go to what eight teams at some point just to uh, make them watchable because you're right. Pretty bad. It's time to revamp. It's time. It's Hey, it's, it's really, it's not the bold setup fault. It just happened with the portal and the nil. Everything has changed the landscape of college football and the bulls really don't match the landscape of portal and nil. Now it just doesn't, it doesn't match anymore. The, the kids don't care about going to a bowl game. Like if you're in Boston College and you went six and six at BC and you're playing in the bowl game in, in Fenway Park or the bowl game in the Bronx, I forget which one BC played in. But either way, is that a game you're dying to go to if you're, you go to college at Boston College? Like when you go to a bowl, you want to go to Arizona, you want to go to Florida, like you want to go to Fenway Park or Bronx <laughs> and you're six and six. Like, I mean, what do we, I guess I, that's what I'm trying to say. What are we celebrating? What are we celebrating these teams? And I'm, I'm, that's just how, yeah, that's. Maybe we should have a, a go long bowl. Uh, my yard's big enough here in Boston, New York. We can s- set up some lines. Um, hey, you know, the <laughs> fence is a little tight, so there, there could be some casualties and there could be a few divots out there. That there are trees, but it will add to the excitement. The go long bowl works. I like that yeah. name. Yeah. Hey, well, the a Barstool bowl, bowl, so why not? Let's do works. it. Yeah. Well, I mean, if if anybody's listening and they don't subscribe, then just subscribe and we'll strive toward a go-long bowl and we'll get crazy and we'll have some fun with it. Yeah, the game last night, though, the first game I saw in full, I didn't see the second game in full. Man, it was, it was entertaining. Good Dude, football. Yeah, two different styles of football, like just – Ton of talent, ton of NFL talent on the field. It was just that was that was the good side of college football. That's the good. So, one week to go in the NFL regular season. A lot of playoff implications that we can touch on. Our plan is to do a, a second podcast later this week with a with an emphasis on game two seventy two. The Buffalo Bills at the Miami Dolphins. We'll kind of reserve that conversation for that show, I think, Jim, to really give it 
what it deserves and and the other games. I mean, Texans Colts is is a really fun game on Saturday night. I think Packers Bears. Uh, obviously, with Bob McGinn, we'll lean into the Packers a little bit more. But I, I really want to get your perspective on that too. Different topic though today, and this was Jim's idea. I think it's excellent, excellent idea because this time of year, this December, is really when quarterback decisions start to get made. I mean, it seems like they're made in February, March, and that it kind of lingers. I, I feel like you tell me if I'm wrong, Jim, you were in these front offices. Is it now when you're really charting your plan for 2024? If not like finalizing everything, you're leaning one direction pretty hard. And it crystallized to me when Bob McGinn reported on our podcast last February ahead of everybody that the Green Bay Packers were finished with Aaron Rodgers and that they loved Jordan Love, that they viewed him as Rodgers 2.0. They were disgusted with Rodgers and he kind of pinpointed that Philly game that they saw out of Love and kind of how Rodgers, I mean, they, they did win some games, but then they lose to the Lions in that finale. Very apathetic performance. And there's consequences when you lose a winning end game like that. They decided to go with Jordan Love. December football had a lot to do with it. So what we're seeing out of a lot of quarterbacks on a lot of teams that have really difficult decisions to make right now is they're, they're, they're probably thinking of 2024 already. So Three guys that I want to get into. Go ahead, Jim. Well, no, I, you were th I was thinking how you were saying that about in the front office. I was thinking when I was with the Saints, I was an area scout, so I wasn't in the building as far as the day-to-day. -day. So that was when I got to Buffalo from 2013 to 17, we were basically the same every year as far as 8 and 8. I'm just always going to use 9 and 8. We'll use 9 and 8 now. 8 and 9, 9 and 8 type team. And yes, you have those conversations. I can't say that when I was with the Saints, I remember too many conversations because you were ready. You were getting ready for the playoffs. You really weren't thinking about the next yeah. season. So I think it does depend on your situation a little bit. I think you start to move on. Now, in Buffalo, we had a similar situation with what Denver just did with Russell Wilson. We had this situation in Buffalo. It was pretty – it was obvious. What we did with, with, with Tyrod Taylor was – the same thing where there was an injury that if he suffered, he was owed that contract, that money. And as an organization, nobody was sure if we were wanted to stay with Tyrod or not as the starter. And it's, I can just tell you, it comes from the top. Situations like that have to be addressed because it is a serious amount of money that you have to. So, Everybody is everybody's involved in that decision. You know, I always will say it starts at the top. So that's how I, I'm telling you that Denver, it wasn't just Sean Payton doing that on his own. I promise you that that was a organization decision. Um, and it's wrong. We were wrong for doing it to Tyrod in Buffalo, in my opinion. That's my opinion. I don't know who else would agree that was involved with that. But it's not right. That is the player and agent's win, in my opinion, that if, if a team accepts that language in the contract, that's on you. That You accepted that as a team. You can't take a starter out of the game 
and do that to the rest of the team, the rest of the players on the team who are fighting and trying to win a game every week. Just because you made a mistake, the other player shouldn't punish. Now, I'm using that saying that you made the move solely based on the contract. If you made it based on talent, that's totally different. Obviously, that's fine. And I think that's the thing with Denver. You had every opportunity, in my opinion, to make that move based on talent. We talk about study the stats, and people want to talk about Russell Wilson's playing well this year. No, he wasn't playing well this year, if you watch. He looks just like he looks every year. He just had a head coach there now that can make their team look functionable. That's where coaching matters. This is the same Denver team that was not was terrible last year with Nathaniel Hackett. This team isn't that much better. They're just coached better. Russell Wilson's not the answer at quarterback. So this is the hard part. Sean Payton knew this when he came to the Denver Broncos. I always said that. Why is he going to Denver? I thought they were tied into Russell Wilson. That doesn't seem like a – this is a mess now. This seems like a mess because it's not right to do that to Russell Wilson. It wasn't right to do that to Tyrod Taylor. These guys are professional football players that carry themselves like professionals on and off the field, in the locker room. The the team respects them, I think, with Russell Wilson. I shouldn't say that because I'm not there. But with Tyrod Taylor, I know the team – respected Tyrod and they were not happy that we just, I mean, you remember that press conference, Anthony Lynn at the time didn't even know who was playing quarterback and he was our interim coach at the time. I mean, that's how chaotic it got. A couple things. Yeah, um, sorry, we, I, I love starting of, with this, Jim. I want to no, keep talking. Way. Yeah. Nobody wants to hear me talk. You're the one with the Intel on what it's like to go through this decision I kind of chuckle because at the top of my head, I'm thinking what a remarkable achievement by the Denver Broncos to make Russell Wilson a very, very human empathetic figure. I mean, he had that press conference afterwards and he's like, yeah, they came to me in October. You know, we didn't have this big win against Kansas city. I'm looking forward to it. They wanted to, to sit me. I'm like, like Russell, you're normal. This looks like somebody they can hang out with. He's conversing and being honest and being hard. and raw. And it was, it was strange to, to see. It uh, is. It is. You never, everything with him is always so awkward. Mm-hmm. Right. Although I will say too, I th- kind of going off on a different tangent here when it comes to Russell Wilson and the subway commercials and, you know, remember him on the sideline, let him know it's a pass. And it's, that's who he is though, too. Like that's just, kind of Russell Wilson to his core, but contractually Denver knew exactly what the deal was. Sean Payton knew exactly what he was waltzing into. That's why it was always so strange that he decided to coach the Denver Broncos. Now money talks, they paid him a lot of money, but he could have waited a year, you know, hung out with Colin Cowherd and Fox for another year and picked his destination out of this round. We'll, we'll see who's fired, but I would think that there's a more enticing situation in 2024 than there was in 2023 choosing Denver Buffalo. Um, just to remind everybody. So this was 2016. Yeah. I, I should year said two that. of Rex. Remember he's got his, got his twin twin brother, Rob with him, And uh, they're, they're on the bicycle doing all that good stuff. Here's how that season kind of finished up, Jim. It's, it's always interesting to look back because this is kind of when reports are leaked strategically and you see this head coach is safe or that GM's on the hot seat or it's, it's, 
this is where the NFL gets really fascinating because everybody's looking for the lifeboat. As we like to say here, everybody's looking out for their own ass, trying to save their jobs and messaging is pushed out into the public. Now it might seem like somebody's safe. And then the next thing you know, they're fired. So (laughs) you don't really, you take everything with a grain of salt, but you look back at 2016. um, So you guys lost, I I was covering this game. Actually, you guys lost to the Steelers. On December 11th, that dropped you to six and seven. I believe that's when Le'Veon Bell ran wild. And then you beat the Browns 33-13 to get to seven and seven. So it's kind of like, oh, yeah, it's a lot like 2015, but 500. Here's a chance to maybe finish with a winning record, win these last two games. And it was really that loss to the Dolphins that probably put a fork in Rex Ryan. Is that safe to say how that Mm -hmm. one ended? Was that with Jay Ajayi and there was... 11 guys on the field or something? No, that's a different topic when the fork was put in. Okay. Um, yeah, but yes. JHI did go for 206 that day. Yes. But Tyrod, okay, so Tyrod, that game, <laughs> that, that that's what I'm getting here, getting to here. He, he was 26 for 39, 329 yards, three touchdowns, ran for another 60 yards, um, individually has one of his best games ever. And defeat, it was the defense that lost that game. So you're seven and eight. You're going into a meaningless in the standings game against the New York Jets. What happens next, Jim? That that you, you know, that you can and are willing to elaborate on. Yeah, this is when I can say confidently that this is when you see dysfunction in an organization. Like what? Not that you needed to guess, but when you see an interim head coach like Anthony Lynn not understand who even is playing quarterback right now, it wasn't even his fault. It wasn't anybody's fault. It was just confusion in the organization. And it's what I always talk about. If it, if the top isn't synced up, it's just not going to work. And that's the best way I, I, I would just say that whole with that situation without – giving too much detail on names and things that happened and the anger. I'd rather almost hear it from Tyrod himself to hear how he felt. Almost like when we talked to EJ Manuel about his whole, his career in Buffalo, I would almost want to hear what Tyrod would say about that now, especially with, with, with everything that he's gone through after he leaves Buffalo, he goes through that in Buffalo and then he goes out to LA and deals with that that crazy injury his lung punctured by his own trainer, by his own trainer. Like that's what I'm saying. The players don't deserve. You can't, you can't jerk players around like that just because you made a mistake on their contract. Throw a concussion in between in Cleveland, right? Sure. He's feeling pretty sure. good about that opportunity because guys don't, that's the other thing they're okay. fighting. Yeah. They're fighting through injuries to, to honor their contract. They don't want to miss games. You miss a game. That backup takes over. That's when you get replaced. That's why players don't miss games. Jobs are on the line. Jobs that's are why. On the I don't, line. That's why I hesitated to even use the word meaningless. It's meaningless in the standings. It's not meaningless no. to livelihoods. And that's where you can do serious damage to a locker room because Terod Taylor is respected. Guys see how he works. Guys know what he's been through. I think it just really hurts everything you're trying to build as a team organizationally to say, you know, 
take a dive in this game, sit out in this game. We're, we're, we're not going to use you because it's going to cost us money. It's, it might seem good on paper, right? You're going to save a buck. It's not good in practice. And this probably happens with a lot of teams in a lot of different ways. But you think about the human nature, Jim, and there's so many players out there that get paid. I think this was Tyrod had just signed his contract extension the previous offseason. So, you know, granted, there's funny money and outs, and it wasn't exactly what it seemed, but it was a significant pay raise. And he continued to put in the work, continued to just play on through a lot of chaos. A lot of guys, you know, a lot of guys get paid and they're 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 coasting this time of year. Um, they're they're not necessarily gonna stick their nose into traffic defensively to make a tackle. Offensively, maybe they're not gonna fight for that extra yard. It's it's hard to quantify. I'm just yeah. saying that Tyrod's a guy that is going to go balls to the wall in all those situations. So I think that's what maybe did damage to that Bills locker room more than anything is is I know players saw how that went down. I know Anthony Lynn saw how that went down and Anthony Lynn wasn't thrilled. I believe he even might've spoken up after the fact about not liking that decision from ownership. Uh, One of those, one of those moments we tend to forget about over time, but it's telling and to bring it to today, man, Let's start with Justin Fields, the yep. Chicago Bears, because they beat Atlanta twenty or 37-17. You've got the fans chanting, we want Justin. Fourth win in five games. Fields goes 20 of 32 for 268 and a touchdown. Runs for 45 and a touchdown. I just rewatched it, and he made some remarkable plays. He, I mean, the... Gosh, the uh, third and eight play late, obviously, is what's been replayed a ton. It's just funny to me because you've got three players that the Falcons paid up for in the offseason. Clayus Campbell, Bud Dupree, David Onyemata. All three of them have a shot at Justin Fields. I mean, Dupree has him untouched. It feels ducks under his forearm, spins away from Onyemata. Calais just dives. And he runs for the first down. I mean, there's more plays I want to get into, but th- th- this was a career day beyond the statistics for Justin Fields because you could you could feel, you could hear the support. I mean, DJ Moore even said afterwards, I did hear those chants, and I know the front office's box is right there, so I know they heard that stuff. <laughs> Jaquan Brisker says, I want Justin. We all want Justin. That's our guy. That guy makes plays for sure, and he's a leader. We like a guy like that now. Got a few thoughts, but let's get to your thoughts first on Justin Fields. Let's remember, too, he's having a game like this against an Atlanta team in 2021 that chose Florida tight end Kyle Pitts instead. And Fields is the is the hometown QB. Uh, fans can be fickle in Atlanta for good reason when you blow a 28 to three lead in the Super Bowl. Not saying business should drive football decisions, but it just made so much sense to uh, to take a quarterback there and for that quarterback to be Fields. 
And I, and I say that as somebody who has admitted they flip-flopped on fields more than anybody. I still don't know where the hell I stand on them. I have a few thoughts. But what what, what was your take on Fields' game against Atlanta and the so, long-term ramifications for him and the Bears? No, I'm glad you said that. Um, when you were listing those names, I was thinking to myself, and those players are missing tackles on Justin Fields, the player that they passed on. That Why would you want to replace – Matt Ryan with an incredible athlete that you rarely see play the position that's from your state that your whole fan base would be around from day one and support. Why would you want that guy to try to be the next guy to lead your organization? Anyway, that's for another show. Anybody that listens to our show knows how we felt that night when that pick was made because we are on record. That's why the show is good. Where no, no, no. You take Justin Fields right there. That was an easy pick for them. Okay, that's done with. Now they're going against him. He played – I thought he played like he always plays, Tyler, and I'm with you as far as where you're at. I, I want to hear where you're at with Fields. But this is what you get with him every game. He's going to make plays. I, I don't – I hate comparing him to Cam Newton. It seems too obvious. But big, physical – you're going to see highlight plays every game. I still feel like I see more highlight plays of him making plays outside of the pocket, um, pick up basketball style, like we always talk about, just freelance play, which the great athletes can do. Um, as long as the organization and the coaching staff, if that's what you're willing to, if that's how you want your offense to operate, if that's how you want your franchise quarter to operate, as far as giving him free reign, and we've talked about this with Josh Allen, but we also know you can't have your legs be your number one thing. It can't be. You're going to get hurt, and the team, the franchise cannot invest in somebody they think can get hurt because the best thing he does is run as a quarterback. That is how I feel about it, Tyler. I think it comes down to that for me. He clearly, he clearly is good. His style is clearly good enough to win in the NFL with the players see it. They respect it. Every defensive coordinator, you know, they don't like playing against Justin Fields because of that reason. He, he takes you off your game plan, but as a, as a team that is trying to commit to him, here are the questions they're asking. What have they won with him so far? Nothing. And can he stay healthy playing this style? Is he playing the style that that staff feels can win in the NFL? Now we're going to take it to one le next step. There's a Caleb Williams factor involved. I don't know if that's where you want to go right now. You want to stop and just stay, stick with fields. A little bit more on fields. Yeah. So I, you, I totally agree. Long story short, completely agree with you. We've seen a lot of Justin Fields. He has started 37 games, played in 39. It's 10 of 27 in those starts for however you want to take quarterback wins as a stat. Yeah, and I don't like that as a, a stat, yeah. but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. The highlights are there, and I think DJ Moore is a pretty big part of those highlights. Yeah. Uh, there was a throw to the back corner, third and goal, his touchdown throw. I mean, Jesse Bates is in perfect position, perfect. and Fields puts it right on Moore, and Moore makes a spectacular catch, gets the feet down. You're, I mean, this is basically the same, not the same, similar effect that that a Diggs had on Allen, that an A.J. Brown had on Hurts. Get a stud receiver, and you're going to see more out of your quarterback, naturally. 
which I'll just throw in makes Jordan Love's 2023 season that much more spectacular when he's down to Bo Melton and Dontavian Wicks and Romeo Dobbs. Christian Watts' number one's been hurt most of the year anyways. I'd love to know what he could do with one of these guys. Third and seven, over the shoulder, 32-yarder to DJ Moore. A.J. Terrell's right there. I mean, such tight coverage. And Fields, when you've got a DJ Moore, you're not afraid to attack one of the best cornerbacks in the game. There was a throw, play action across his body to Tunyon. I mean, the quarterback draw, it's a straight draw. It's it's stuff we've seen, right? This is this is the Fields that had that little spurt midway through last season that ended up getting him some MVP consideration this season. But then when you look at his game log, yes, the rushing numbers, they, they've been there, right? He's going to make plays with his legs. He hasn't thrown for more than one touchdown in seven games. His completion percentage isn't that great. 61%, right? Just over half. I don't know. I, I think that you kind of know what he is at this point. And this is why GMs GM, coaches coach, players play, and fans fan. Right. You can't you can't just take, you know, DJ Moore into the hmm. front office and say, Oh, you like Justin Fields? All right, we're gonna just we're just gonna pay him because that's the other massive variable here. You're gonna have to pay Fields here soon where you have an opportunity, a golden opportunity to reset the financial clock at quarterback. And I think this is the debate you have to have that the, the financial clock versus like the developmental clock. Do you, do you really, if you really feel like you're developing fields and he's going to keep ascending and you like the rapport he has with more with your coaching staff, if that coaching staff is staying all of that, then may, maybe you trust in that development. But I, I think that Ryan Poles has to, take advantage of the trade of the year, the half decade, the decade to get all of that capital from the Panthers and now own the first overall pick. Caleb Williams will come with flaws and we're going to get into him and you've been studying him and there's, it's a lot there, um, but we know he's ridiculously talented. He'll come ridiculously cheap. You've got a team set up for him to succeed early. The defense is pretty dang good. You've got the, the wide receiver one and more got a pretty good tight end. Got a few backs. He he could step in, I think, and do what Fields is doing at, at least and have the opportunity at more growth because I still think to win, to get into the playoffs and win games, you do need that quarterback who can, yeah, he does all that fun stuff, but he's still going to be able to win from the pocket. I don't, I don't think Fields can do that consistently. We've seen it. It's been 30 Nine games, 37 starts. I like Fields. You know, I mean, you like you said, we have been Fields supporters from day one. This is a tricky situation. This GM did not draft Justin Fields. Poles didn't draft Fields. It's, I, I just, that. And that, that speaks to the Bears' problem for the last 15 and years, Jim. That's where we just. Every start. quarterback is inherited by the, like, Cutler was inherited yeah. by the next front office and the next coach. It's mess. Trubisky, it same it, thing. Field, same thing. Goes back to everything we were saying. It's just that it just screams. It's a mess in the building. Like when you have a really good quarterback playing for you in Justin Fields, 
and you also have the number one pick, something went wrong. Like those things aren't working. Like you shouldn't be picking number one if your quarterback is the right guy. Well, it's the Panthers pick, obviously. I, I know, but I'm saying you made that move for a reason. Yeah. Like you have a you you were thinking about this. This was you you weren't trying to get you know a high pick to go get a running back or a receipt. You're trying to get a high pick to get a quarterback. They made that trade. They were ready to move on. That was my get. When they made that trade, was them saying we are going to move on from Fields when the time is right. Brad Biggs covers the team for the Chicago Tribune. Uh, with, with my buddy Dan Wiederer, he's at the Tribune too. B- Biggs reported that he believes it's unlikely that Fields is the quarterback in Chicago next year. So he's pretty tight in. And you, you would think, I mean, Ryan Poles, even above him, right? They've got Kevin Warren as the president. Ms. McCaskey ownership hasn't exactly handled regime changes with uh, much elegant elegance and grace, but it's, it's different in Chicago where you have a team president who I believe came in after polls and Eber flew. So he, he's got the decision to make. Does he want to keep the head coach and GM in place? Seems like they've done enough to, to stick around at least. Like I said, then, then it comes back to what do you believe that's being reported? You know, what, what has kind of trickled out is that they're safe. Things can change. We'll see. But he's but he's the one that has say. And some teams have presidents like this. Some don't. Uh, I, but I think the fact that a, a lot of the all these people came in after Fields was drafted is, is telling. And that to finally break this curse, this terrible run of football in Chicago, maybe that's the reason why. <laughs> You, you talked about alignment from podcast episode number one. Like the GM and the head coach, and in this case, the president and ownership, they have an opportunity to get the quarterback they want right now. And unless Fields is slam dunk, no doubt about it, we believe in him, let's win with him, and everybody agrees, then absolutely you move on from him. You draft Williams. Hell, maybe Drake. I don't know. Maybe they love Drake May. You, you get your guy at quarterback and you move on because I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, you could maybe try to leverage that pick like they did last year. Remember, they, they kind of leveraged it, had teams thinking they were interested in a quarterback and got all that capital. They could do that again and draft a Marvin Harrison Jr. with DJ Moore for Justin Fields. Is that exasperating the problem though, right? The chicken and the egg. So like, are they going to make fields that much better of a quarterback or are you kind of tripling down? It would be a triple down after acquiring more before tripling down on a quarterback who isn't going to get you over the hump in your division, let alone the NFC. Well, is adding a receiver to a quarterback that makes plays with his legs is that you see what I'm saying? That's these are the questions you're talking about. If you're the Bears right now, what is Fields' strength? What is the number one thing he can do? If it is operate the offense exactly how you want as a coaching staff, if Fields operates it exactly how you want, throwing the football, then yeah, Fields can be your guy. 
but everything that I watch and you just watched it too, it nothing screams that Fields is he's he's a great athlete. He's going to make plays with his legs. It's going to happen. And if that's not your style and you didn't draft him, then you are probably moving on from him. Do you want to touch on the quarterbacks at all in the draft? You've been watching these Let's, guys really closely. And yeah, we could. If you want that time, but Caleb Williams, what do you see? Well, it's that's kind of why this is a unique. Um, he is he's a clear cut. It's a no brainer pick as far as the physical skill set. I always have an out right now because I don't know the old, you know the old character background stuff. But talent, that's what you want. It's every throw you could ever want to see. The tape doesn't stop. It's every game. It's NFL throws that you don't see any other quarterback in this draft come close to making. It's There's a gap between Williams and the other players. I don't think it's close between him and May. Some people are pretty upset that he was crying after a loss. They can. I'm not upset when you watch the tape and see things you've never seen. But that's up to that's the stuff they're gonna have to find out. You hear the rumblings of Williams talking about. I think he said he doesn't want to play in Chicago or something or his camp. Oh yeah, he liked a tweet or liked a tweet about suggesting that they should get Marvin Harrison. Yeah, something, whatever. It. That's all. They'll figure all that out. But talent, he's the guy. You want to talk about a, a player playing in a strange offense in college? Like watch Lincoln Riley. Watch that USC offense. That thing is it's a it's a mess. He's running around like a maniac. His Caleb Williams, if I could knock one thing that I've seen with him, would be a little bit of chaos in the pocket. He he runs around, he doesn't necessarily seem comfortable stepping up, but he he's spastic. He can be a little spastic. But he gets out of things and he can make plays with his legs if he has to, but that's not even on his mind. It's every throw, Tyler from every arm angle you can watch. He spazzes out, you're telling me? In the, in no, the in like when he's just like quick little movements in the pocket. Like, I'm just things saying. Things you wouldn't like, why is he running that way? Why is he scrambling that way? But he finds a way to get out of it. Was it uh, the immortal Lizzo who took out the the word spat, spaz in a song because she offended people? Everything else in those lyrics is clean, obviously, but sure. that's the word. Oh, that's, that's the word you really got to clean up. I hate using that word because that makes me. I used it with Carson Wentz. That's how I felt about his pocket presence in Philly. He was spastic and an indie. The other stuff is noteworthy, and that's why we have Bob McGinn bringing his 40th annual NFL draft series to go along this coming spring. Yeah, he'll get all that good scout seamlessly info. weave in that shameless plug in, right? You can only get all that. Info, all along. Right. <laughs> so as an area scout, that's what you do as an area scout. I, I could just picture myself scouting Caleb Williams, you know, um, you know, he doesn't really, he might not want to come to Chicago. Um, you know, he has a lot, he has a camp, you know, he has a lot of people in his camp that are in his ear, blah, blah, blah. And the GM sitting there like, thanks. Thanks. We'll handle that. Um, I've never seen any player like him, so we're going to take him. Like, I'm not saying he's that good. But, but you've got to bring that stuff up. Look, look at Kyler Murray. So, there was 100%. Some, it's, there's some baggage there that you had. Hell, they put it in his be, contract. Don't play video games. Look at film. That's, I know. There, would, Which there is, has to be a fine line between does he love football and it's just, you know, or is this, does he love being in a circus? Because that's the, that is, you're completely right. You have to factor that in. You can't have a quarterback 
that is going to have a circus around them. And that's where the NIL has really made it a little more difficult for teams. These guys are getting money that they've never gotten before. I mean, I'm trying to find it here. I think Caleb Williams, they're not $2.7 million valuation. Uh, yeah, at $2.7 million. It's you guys are getting a lot of money yeah. and a lot of yes mm-hmm. men surrounding them. Who, who in Caleb Williams is this isn't to pick on Caleb Williams because I'm just kind of using him as a hypothetical. Any of the most talented of the talented college football players, how college basketball players, who's going to be allowed in that inner circle as a no man? I mean, they're surrounding themselves with enablers and they're being coddled and they're getting millions of dollars and they're 18, 19, 20 years old. Like you do have to sift through that. If you're an NFL team, this is a big boy business. Like you're going to get punched in the mouth literally and metaphorically week to week. You go to Chicago, they're going to boo your ass. If you have a bad game, like how are you going to handle that? After you've been told yes, after you've been paid all this money after ah, you've got to get to the guy's psyche. And that's, that's the risk here is with the Bears. Like, okay, you move on from fields. You want to add this unbelievable talent. I'm not denying the talent. Mm-mm. You've got to know how he's going to handle adversity. Just like Josh Lucas, you know, former director, uh, player personnel with the Bears, who you know well. He's been on this podcast. He said the number one challenge is figuring out what happens when these players face adversity. Th- th- this would be the ultimate case of that for the Bears with Caleb Williams. Think about walking into a building for he would walk into a building in Chicago that the players aren't necessarily happy to see him. Yeah, that's where the word professional is. It's professional, like the players in the building need to welcome him. And if the team moves on from Justin Fields, you need to move on from Justin Fields. That's where one spectacular play in a training camp practice can go a long ways. Uh, Actions can speak loudly. They see that. Okay, we did the right thing. Then take accountability. Speaking of accountability, we'll probably get into some Derek Carr comments later. He's Mm. one quarterback with one team, one big decision ahead. Mm -hmm. Probably a decision in 2025. They're they're kind of stuck with him in 2024. Anything else on the Bears? Nope. I, they're in a fascinating situation, but like I said, if they drafted fields, it'd be different. All I'll say is Jordan love through his 30th touchdown. So let's go. Minnesota let's Vikings and nobody, Tyler. nobody has done that in the history of the Chicago bears, but you know what? The bears have only been around for a decade or so because, Oh, wait a minute. They've, they've been around for a hundred years. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. Uh, the quarterback play, Decade to decade, era to era, leaves a lot to be desired. You've got a chance to swing for the fences in Caleb Williams. I'm, I'm taking that swing. I'm going Vlad Guerrero, right? I don't care where, I don't care what the baggage is. I don't, you're just, you're figuring all that out and you're taking the swing. And that's someone that, that's coming from somebody that I do like fields. <laughs> I do think you can win with Right. Fields. We both like fields. I just think you can't pass up on this on Williams. Hey, Peter King, who I respect as much, if not more than anybody in this business, he's tied in and he's got a a good spidey sense in this game. 
he he says the Bears should stick with Justin Fields. <laughs> he he would disagree with this. Uh, It'd be good. I'd like to hear. Wrote about, about it in his uh, football in the, football uh, morning in America column Monday. So check that out. Um, let's get to a playoff team. Let's get to the Pittsburgh Steelers, a playoff team. I'm already putting them in. A team in the running for the playoffs. They've got to beat the Baltimore Ravens, who we can assume as we podcast here on Tuesday morning are going to rest anybody of significance after seeing Bradley Chubb wreck his knee in their own game in garbage time. Like if you're John Harbaugh and you're standing there on the sideline and you're beating the piss out of the Dolphins and you see their best player on defense wreck his knee ahead of their game of the season. Yeah, I'm sitting Lamar. I'm sitting Roquan Smith, Zay Flowers, Isaiah Likely. You don't want to lose another tight end. Gus Edwards. It'll be interesting to see how they handle that game. But there's a reason the Steelers, I think they're favored by four. Then it, that might even be low on the road. And Tomlin plays the Ravens tough. Now, the last two times they played Baltimore, Kenny Pickett led key drives late. <laughs> last year, he did it in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Had a, a tough throw to Najee Harris, I believe, up like the left sideline mm-hmm. in the clutch. And then the game this season back in September was crazy. I think there was like a blocked punt. Uh, Lamar threw a terrible pick that opened the door for Pittsburgh and Kenny Pickett finds Pickens for a big, big throw late. That's all they needed. Fast forward to December, Jim. And wow, there is some drama in Pittsburgh and it's drama. I think Mike Tomlin will gladly accept because Mason Rudolph is the quarterback right now. Mason Rudolph first, he lit up Cincinnati to keep the season alive. And then you know, they run all over Seattle with Harris and Jalen Warren. Uh, but Rudolph, you watch that game. I mean, he made plays that you, you frankly, you didn't see much at all out of pick. And wh- one that comes to mind, did you catch this one, Jim? That 33-yarder to George Pickens. Whew, there's 11 minutes left, third and seven. The Steelers are up 24-20, shotgun. They motion to the trips right. I mean, that pressure collapses instantly. And he holds, 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 bodies all over him. And he gives, he knew he had to give Pickens time to cut to the corner, finds him. Now it's, he makes him stretch out for it, but that's why you have a George Pickens. He can make those kind of catches. That, you have to give him those opportunities. Um, that sets up a field goal. They get another field goal, they win. But I mean, Rudolph's 6'5, 235 with nine and a quarter hands, Pickett's 6'3, 220 eight and a half inch hands. He's just bigger, stronger, can be sturdy in the pocket to make that throw. He's been waiting forever, man. It was funny to hear Rudolph. He was asked about what the dynamic is like. This was, I think before the Raven, before the uh, Seattle game, he was asked about the dynamic with the quarterbacks and said how everybody's supportive of each other. And basically said, well, uh, in the past it quote, not as cohesive as a group, People aren't as forthcoming with, hey, how do we help? He could have been talking about Oklahoma State. I'm guessing he's talking about Ben Roethlisberger not being very helpful. But then it gets weird because Pickett's inactive. You've got the report out that I believe it was The Athletic reported that Pickett refused to be the backup. 
to Mason Rudolph. And man, now Pickett's healthy. And Mike Tomlin came out and said this week that Mason Rudolph is going to start against Baltimore. He was asked about that report, Pickett not wanting to play. Where's his head at? All of that. And Tomlin basically said, he did say that you're gonna have you're gonna have to ask Kenny about that. So it'll be interesting to see what Kenny Pickett says this week down those lines. He's clearly unhappy that he's he's being benched. You know, this it's not injury, it's it's performance at this point. To me, it's a no-brainer. I mean, you you see what Mason Rudolph has done. You've got to roll with it. You, you he's got to be your quarterback. It you can't take him off the field at this point. And you know, I'd, I I would consider myself a picket apologist still. I think that Matt Canada and the offense that he was running, not that great, not that creative, eager to see what he could do with another play caller, another coordinator. But Ru- Rudolph was making plays you didn't see how to pick it. So you've got to roll with Rudolph right now. Um, your take on the present and the future of the Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback position, Jim. My take is you have to roll with the hot hand. None of these guys are the answer. Just put roll with the hot hand and credit to you as a head coach again for having your team in position to make the playoffs when we all wrote you off. Mason Rudolph is doing, he's hot. You know, he's a, he's a professional backup quarterback who has a hot hand. That throw you you described, I, I almost I couldn't I almost couldn't see how he got the throw off. I know he he just disappeared. He's that yeah. big, and he disappears in that heap of Seahawks. So that's how I look at it. Like, hey, good for you. You you, you know you get that that shooter that's hot for a couple games. He, but he averages you know he only averages thirteen points a game on the year. He has three games where he has twenty six. Some games he has three. You know that's. You can't make a living with those guys. That's Rudolph. That's this whole quarterback room. Pickett's not talented enough. I've, I felt like I was, I was a guy that I wanted to watch this year too. I don't see the talent in him. He just, everything about him is steady. The arm, the release, everything's just average. It's not quick. It's not a big arm. It's not super athletic. He's not fatal flaw in anything. He just looks like a backup to me. He just doesn't look special to make plays that like, like Rudolph just made and Rudolph obviously isn't special, but he's, he can throw the football. Yeah. in that kind of situation we've seen Kenny Pickett escape without a plan and throw it away. Yeah. And just give guys chances. Trubisky doesn't even give guys chances. And I don't want to talk about him anymore, but just pick it too. I felt the same way. Give, and you brought up another good point. Let Pickens let, that's why they're drafted high. That's why those receivers are, separate themselves from other receivers. They can make plays like that. If you just give them a chance. Man, I, part of me feels for Kenny Pickett though, because in, in his hey. performance is, is a reason that Matt Canada gets fired. I get it, but he is fired and they finally break that streak of no 400 yard games. He looks pretty good. I believe in that win over Cincinnati, the first one, and then he gets hurt and, it's like, you know, he, he's probably thinking, oh, I cannot wait to run a different offense. I cannot wait to just look at the field in a different way. Right. That's what you never really know is how much was the coaching holding him back? How much of it was Pickett? Uh, and then he gets, what, a game and a half, and Trubisky loses to Arizona, the Patriots. Uh, it, it looks like the Steelers are on the cusp of needing to change everything. 
like needing to change how they view the sport being, being so old school with their approach philosophically and mm. defense and running the ball and a defensive minded head coach, like those two losses, I think did get a lot of fans thinking we, we, the building needs to be completely reset. Mm. And then what happens? <laughs> Tomlin does what Tomlin does. They 17 years, no losing seasons. Uh, hey, it's all they're I mean, they're going to turn into the biggest Miami Dolphin fans and game number 272. You know, if they do hold their own and they, they beat the Ravens, if the Jaguars, they, they have the Titans and the Titans looked like mm. team giving up this past week or, not playing that well. The 26 to three, they lost to Houston. You don't want to count out of Rabel team that they'll just spontaneously fight and you at least expect it, but they should win. Then it's Miami Buffalo, which we'll get into later this week. But if, if Miami does win, then the Steelers would play Miami, I believe. Right. Hmm. Also, and, you're, going, you're, you're crunching the numbers. You're ready. Could they beat Miami? Probably not, but anybody, you know, what, anybody. what happens if they win a playoff game? What happens if they get in, even if they don't win a playoff game? You know, Mike Tomlin stays. It's hard to see a team that's had three coaches since the Stone Age, you know, fire Mike Tomlin if they get into the playoffs. And then what do they do at quarterback? I mean, Kenny Pickett was a first round pick in hey, 2022. You can... Rudolph is looking like somebody that at least deserves a, a shot, a, a notion of a shot. Do they have a quarterback competition between Pickett and Rudolph? Do they, do they have the stones to just completely start over two years into Pickett? I don't know if you have to start over with Pickett. I, you can, you can give him a chance next year. You have to have somebody in the building that you clearly feel comfortable with starting if it is not Kenny Pickett. That's how I would enter their next season. Whoever Mason you're – Who? Mason Rudolph. It could be. But they've, they've jerked him around for years too. I mean, why have they – think about this. How did they think Trubisky was better than him? That's where it gets troubling because it speaks to – He's been there. It speaks to the just the lack of – intelligence at the most important position. And that was one of my criticisms of Sean McDermott. It's not forgetting what he said about Cam Newton, not forgetting how he's talked about Josh Allen behind the scenes, not forgetting that he trotted Nathan Peterman out there twice. You know, it's, it's just a little sign is what I'm saying. It is a little, it is a little sign. If Mason Rudolph has been slumming around this long, waiting as a third stringer and you All of a sudden, and, he plays and he looks like this. And you went and signed Trubisky. Like, look, I, I thought Trubisky would be a good backup. He clearly isn't. I mean, it's it's amazing. But they thought he was better than Rudolph. I I still think that Kenny Pickett deserves a a clean slate. Yeah, find a good coordinator. You know, find somebody that's going to innovate this thing offensively. It's been, even at the end of Roethlisberger's time, it was kind of Roethlisberger doing his thing. It really wasn't even Matt Canada's offense. It, you know, they clashed. Like, get a, a smart, forward-thinking offensive coordinator, play designer, can work wonders. I mean, look what Dave Canales has done with Baker Mayfield. He did it with Geno Smith before. 
I, I think that it, part of it might be the investment that you made in Pickett. And part of it is like, I'm, I, I love the intangibles in the quarterback position. I think he's got them for whatever it's worth. Just get, so. give him one more legitimate chance in year three. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the relationship is like with Mason Rudolph. I know it was, maybe that answers your question. I think he's got a good relationship with Mitchell Trubisky. Like it, it could have started a little rough because Trubisky's starting and Pickett is the one who was the third stringer who had to work to the second string, who then starts <laughs> mid season, man, it's hard to keep track of this all in your head. That's what I'm laughing. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, they've got a pretty good relationship, um, but that stuff shouldn't matter. You've got to do what's best for the team. Mason Rudolph has played himself into bare minimum, a number two job. That's this is what makes this time of year fun because a, a couple games can completely change your plans for next season. As, as it should, in some cases, these games are really important. I mean, could they go on a run and win a Super Bowl with Rudolph like Nick Foles? I can't see it. But, but the AFC is so here, a mess. Here, I would answer that question like, yes, they could. It's possible. Highly unlikely. But, yes, the Steelers could go on a run, win a Super Bowl with Mason Rudolph. Comparable to Foles, it doesn't change anything. You got your Super Bowl, but you don't have your quarterback. Hmm. But isn't – the goal is to win the Super Bowl. If he, if he delivers yeah. the Super Bowl – no, he's the hot hand. You got to, yeah, if, if he can get, stay hot, that's great. You want a Super Bowl, but he's not good enough. You deemed him not good enough. But you, you told everybody, you drafted Rudolph and gave up on him. Yeah. So. Okay. All right. Pittsburgh. So there it is. Rudolph is full. That's where we went with this podcast today. Kenny Pickett. Don't give up on him quite yet. No, I agree with that, Tyler. You have as ugly as it him, was. You have to let him enter the season next year and compete for that job. He does have some explaining to do, though. I'm not sure when people will be listening to this show. He'll, he'll be speaking, I would think, today or tomorrow. They play Saturday. Yeah. I guess it's like a Wednesday. That's a bad look. That's a bad look. Bad look. It's a bad look. Yeah. Like, what's the line in, in Godfather? Be a man. Be a man. Talking to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's got to be a man. Look, it's okay. It's, I, I'm with Mike Tomlin on this one. It's mm-hmm. got to roll with the hot hand. Okay, let's touch on New Orleans before we before we close out. The Saints beat the Bucks, mm-hmm. but probably not going to make the playoffs because it's hard to see the Bucks losing to Carolina. Derek Carr, they gave him a lot of money. Let's pull it up here. It was four years, 150 mil, 100 mm. mil guaranteed. His 37 and a half million annual salary ties him for 13th in the NFL, which is probably a little kind, actually. He's not the 13th best quarterback this season. Uh, they can't they can't really release him this year, Jim. I mean, it would be a $52.8 million cap hit. Uh, that's 23 and a half percent of your salary cap. He's got a no trade clause. Uh, they're, they're stuck with him. I believe the team has the option in 2025. It was kind of designed as more of a two-year contract. 
So we'll probably see what the Saints always do with all their players. They'll convert base salary to signing bonus money, save 23 mil against the cap, keep spending, keep pushing the chips in, keep trying to win, bring back Dennis Allen, bring back Derek Carr, run it back, baby. New Orleans Saints football. We even, you know, we do have a couple Saints fans here at Go Along, and I'm very sorry that we we have not really discussed the Saints at all this season. Just kind of a boring team, hamster on a wheel, doing the same thing post Drew Brees, trying to win when you really don't have the answer at quarterback. Now, Derek Carr played a little better against Tampa Bay. On the road, 24-32, 197, two touchdowns, zero picks, one sack. Uh, actually took some accountability after the game. This is what really ticked off some fans in New Orleans, and they've got a lively fan base, as you know. They didn't like the fact that he wouldn't really uh, take accountability for red zone issues earlier this season. November 29th, Nick Underhill, mm-hmm. who does a fantastic job. He's got his own site. He's been on our podcast. Yeah, he's got our podcast. New Orleans.football. Check it out. He's built up his own little, em- little his own empire down there. Yeah, he knows that. He's tied in. He is. And, he, and, he, and he's got he's got balls, man. He just started his own business, and it's a Goliath. So kudos, Nick. He asked Eric Carr about the red zone issues back in November. Carr said, you're going to keep asking the same question. I'm going to give a lot of words and no answer because I'm not going to tell you. Yeah. Well, he did take a little accountability after this game, saying that the sacks earlier in the season were on him, his fault, not the offensive line. I don't know, Jim. I feel like you could copy and paste whatever Derek Carr conversation we had at the end with the Raiders, and that's probably the same one we're going to have right now. It's This offense looks – it's so hard to watch the Saints. They don't throw the ball down the field. They're in the 20 – he's 19th in points per play. They're 23rd in yards per attempt. He's They are red zone percentage, touchdown percentage, like middle of the NFL, um, like 50%, like ranked 18th in the NFL. That's not good enough. None of those rankings are playoff – that's not playoff football. That's your quarterback. That's so You don't have to overthink it. He's not playing well enough. So they'll get rid of Pete Carr, Michael, make him the scapegoat. Let Carr give it another shot. You, we all know. You you broke it down. That's exactly how it works. It's got to be demoralizing because they did beat Tampa Bay, but Tampa Bay will in all likelihood win the division. And Tampa Bay, they didn't really try that hard this offseason in terms of acquiring players. I mean, they they had to get by on the cheap at quarterbacks. So that's right, why Baker Mayfield is the guy. And up for comeback player of the year, they – I mean, their draft class is producing, so I, I guess you did get some acquisitions there. They played well. But it's Mike Evans, it's Chris Godwin, it's Rashad White, it's Devin White, it's Antoine Winfield Jr. And then you have the Saints that made it very clear they are all in. They are trying to win right now. And it looks like, even even though they did beat Tampa, they're going to be on the outside looking in here. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, if you're looking for hope, if you're looking into the future and you're a Saints fan, I'm not sure where exactly you you find it. I mean, Alvin Kamara's, he ain't getting any younger. Oh. He doesn't have the same. Mario impact. Davis, 
you know, pick your veteran on defense, Cam Jordan, they're all getting Cam Jordan. Older. I mean, it's like, how does he keep, it's amazing that those guys still play at a high level because their defense has played well this year. It's not great, but it's played well. If you, if you go all in, in the off season, if you're signing guys and you're being this aggressive and you're making that move for Derek Carr and you don't make the playoffs in today's NFL with the 44 percenters, that season is an abject failure. In this That's division, why, let's let I can't wait for that AFC talk next week. Let's see who's left on the outside because I know I get it. All of these teams want to build up making the playoffs as some accomplishment. It really it is, but it isn't. I mean, nearly half the teams in a conference make it. So if you don't, you better be looking in the mirror. Even if you do, you probably should be looking in the mirror. Agreed. Jim, I want to I want to close with this. I, our son, Serafino, repeatedly is still responding to the question of who is his favorite football team. He's two years old with Jim Bonus. <laughs> I forgot to tell you. Yeah, so over over, over uh, the Christmas season here, and many people ask him about football, who's his favorite team, and he just says Jim Bonus. So you're his favorite team still. I tell you, there's no better feeling than when the fans accept you. And that that's, that's the best feeling. I, I don't know who I, I don't know who I, I don't know what team I I'm winning for, but Sonny appreciate it. And you've met him. I, I think like w- once or twice, it's been he a long me, time. Once we, yeah, we went to the park that one day in the summer. It was a pretty good. Maybe pretty I was like meeting. splicing up podcast clips or something in the basement when I was watching him and he, he saw you and, associated it with the go long logo, but yeah, you're, you're number he, one in his heart. If I was recruiting, he'd be signing. He'd be signing with my team. Perfect. Hey, we didn't mention it at the top. Get into fatty beer, get on in, get your seasonals, your IPAs. If you live here in Western New York, many, many options. That's going to do it. For this episode, thank you so much for listening, for watching. We greatly appreciate it. All stories, all podcasts, golongtd.com. Have a lot planned for this playoff run. It's going to be crazy. We're going to keep up with everything. Try to give you a fresh perspective on the madness. Thanks so much, everyone.